Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA. And today on the podcast, we have a self-proclaimed introvert, more on that later, who tripped into the AEC industry, Tim Klebundy. Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, BJ. And you got my last name pronounced correctly. I love it. This is rough to rough this all it's, it's a, that's, a, that's a good start. That's I, right. I, like, I like getting out of the gates uh, on a good foot. That's right. Uh, so, Tim, we're excited to have you on the show. Can't wait to, to hear about the topic of your book, uh, Networking Like an Introvert, I believe is the title. Uh, but tell us about how you tripped into the AEC industry and uh, ended up as an owner at the Timmons Group. And I think it's worth mentioning that the firm has tripled in size since you joined as an owner. Absolutely. Um, so I think our audience is going to get a lot out of this conversation. Uh, can't wait to hear some of your lessons learned in, in growing a firm, uh, especially as what, what sounds like more of a marketing and business guy uh, in the AEC space. Yeah, you just nailed, now nailed the story. It's been a wild, fun ride for uh, the past 10 years and uh, as, as we've grown. Um, I'll, I'll start off, though, with what you just now said, which is um, I did trip into the AEC industry. You know, my, my undergrad is in marketing, and when you're in marketing, you have this, this perception that you're going to do, like, videos or advertisements or all these great things that uh, you know you get taught in business school and marketing. Three school. martini lunches uh, yeah. of the madman of the madman ever. ever. <laughs> is that after this? Is that where we're going? <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that's kind of what we think is going to happen. And and uh, fast forward, um, I uh, my first job out of college um, work ended up being an architecture firm. I actually literally tripped into it. I was working t as a temp, and uh, I got called in to be a receptionist at the front desk as a temp at a temp agency. And on day two, I realized that the receptionist at the front desk was actually still there. She was filling in for the marketing person who was no longer there. So um, <laughs> I was in marketing. I figured I could do this. I went straight to the owner of the company, uh, uh, Jim Emmer, Smolin Emmer, Ilkovich Architects up in the D.C. And I went straight to him and I said, hey, I know your admin doesn't really want to be doing marketing. I just got the degree. Will you uh, let me fill in until you get your marketing person? And he was happy to slide me into the chair. Um, back in those days, I did uh, RFPs, which a lot of people in the industry are familiar with. And um, and the following Friday, a week and a half later, I submitted my first uh, proposal package. And uh, within two hours, he called me into his office and offered me a job. Um, the Worst part of the story is I didn't win the job, you know, like I, I always thought had I could just add I won that job. No, I lost. I, I had no clue what I was doing back in those days. But um, but that was kind of my intro into it. I think uh, any good professional needs to take a uh, punch in the face out of the gates. If, if, if you win, it just seems too easy. Like it, it, it can't be it can't be that easy. Right. Well put. Well put. Well. I don't know. I've been doing it for 22 years. I did leave architecture in about two years. I didn't stick with the architecture firm very long, but uh, um, I have actually done civil engineering now, uh, you know, site work basically for um, the balance of over 20 years now. And and honestly, I got I got suckered in. I love changing the face of the earth. There is nothing like what we do for a living. Um, you know, marketing is known for. Um, 
I don't know, uh, putting out some brochure that gets tossed in a trash can. And what I do has a sense of permanence and a place. I drive my kids just around, just like a lot of the people that listen to your podcast do and point out this job over here and this site and these things that I touched and, and really uh, had something to do with on the face of the earth. It's a great place to be. It, it really is. And so, I mean, I love talking to people that are really on the marketing side because I think you get to appreciate one, communicating the technical approach. Two, communicating the experience. We talked before the show, and I want I want Tim to hit this uh, book, uh, request for personality, the RFP, and mm-hmm. and not just not just answering the mail, but but bringing creative solutions to the table, and how how a uh, technical approach and past performance all equate to to future results. Uh, yep. So you went from the architecture firm right into right into a, another civil firm. Yeah, that's correct. Yes. So I've spent the, the, that basically 12 years up, I was up in Washington, DC, working at um, what ended up being two civil engineering firms up there. Fantastic firms. I really got my feet underneath me there, um, learned it. And then uh, about 10 years ago, uh, headed down to Richmond, Virginia to be with Timmons Group. Uh, you already alluded to it. It has been, it's been one of the most fun rides of my life. Uh, when I got here, we were 235 people. Fast forward to today, we're well over 800. Um, we've been on Inc. 5000's top lists of top fastest growing firms in the country for the last six years. Fingers crossed, pretty soon seven seven years in a run. It's uh, it is it's a it's a lot of fun. So you've had a front seat to that kind of growth, and mm-hmm. without without giving me kind of the headline of right people, right seats, right jobs. Like I know how freaking hard it is behind the scenes to be pushing that level of growth um, while having a forward facing delivery team that's that's executing. Talk to me about the lessons learned over the last couple of years uh, in in that growth trajectory. There's been a lot of them. Actually, there's this um, the the gentleman who was a mutual friend of Timmons Group uh, as as well as mine. It's a gentleman by the name of Bob Mills. He had this great quote that I just love. It was that he's is all he's looking for is an unfair advantage. Um, <laughs> and I would I would fully uh, support that statement. I'll say that the unfair advantage that uh, that I've learned over my career and I think uh, the people that I've seen that are the most successful in this industry have all learned the same unfair advantage, which is at the end of the day, this comes down to relationships. This is a relationship business through and through, and it's those relationships that are either going to help you be successful and make you successful, um, or they're going to be uh, uh, they're going to be where you fall flat on your face. To be honest. And how I think we can jump into this. How mm-hmm. have you uh, approached the relationship and networking uh, game? Yeah. Uh, and, and this may be where we talk a little bit about the content of your book and, and how you ended up writing a book. Um, so, so talk to me about that. Yeah. Um, well, first off, the uh, I'll, I'll address the book piece and uh, we'll, we'll start with there, which is um, I never anticipated writing a book. I was giving training to civil engineers many, many years ago, um, and uh, that was the that was partially where the genesis came. But the real genesis came in that, um, as you said at the beginning, I'm actually an introvert. Uh, I know there's been um, th- there isn't quite as negative a perception of introverts today as there used to be, but I'm telling you, 20 years ago there was a negative perception if you were a marketing person as an introvert. So. Um, you know, 2004, 2005, I remember I went out and I started reading books left and right, trying to understand how to network, you know, how to get into relationships and things like that. And, and to be honest with you, I was very disheartened. Um, I was disheartened because I felt like 
all of these books were trying to teach me sales techniques and I wasn't a sales guy. I've never been a sales guy. I don't want to be a sales guy. You know, I mean, there's literally chapters in books that teach that taught you back in those days how to get someone to hand you their business card. Like that, that's not relationship. <laughs> like um, you probably have somebody in your office. Very who transactional. Has, yes. You know, they, they come back from a networking event and they show you their success is because there's a rubber band wrapped around a stack of business cards. Uh, they I, I, I got to jump in here. So we were just at a conference last week and, and like this is to business owners out there. If you're asking your people to come back with business cards as the proof of like a quality engagement, this is what this is what bad looks like. This is what uh, malicious compliance looks like. Our team had had people dropping their business cards in a bowl. They put it under our table, right? As they were coming by, they put it under our table, and somebody inside of the place took the bowl of business cards, <laughs> probably to go back to their ownership group to say, "Look at all the people I've met." Uh, <laughs> So that, we call that, that malicious compliance. I was going to say that that's taking it to a whole new level right there. Mm. But I, uh, I interrupted. So yeah, no, there's no, it, sales, it, sales tactics yeah, uh, so, versus, uh, versus relationship building. Yeah. Well, and I took a different approach. Basically I, I gave up on all the books and I can't tell you how many books are read. There were a lot of them. And I instead switched over. I found some introverts in the industry who were unbelievably successful at bringing work in the door and building their businesses. And, um, it was from those individuals I learned a handful of tools and techniques that um, that I eventually wrote about in the book Network Like an Introvert. Honestly, I was teaching those to my you know to the engineers at the firm I was at at the time. I was giving lectures on it and finally ended up uh, putting that into a book that that really spelled out what's it take to build those um, build those relationships. And I'll say. You know, um, that's one, you know, one picture and one piece of, of what it takes at a firm to build, you know, to build relationships. The reality is there's a lot that you can do corporately as well to make certain that you're building relationships. So I'm going to ask you a two-part question. One is, you know, I, I don't want to take the entire time to talk about the book, but what is, you know, one of those lessons to network like an introvert? And then two how are you driving that as a principle to institutionalize it as corporate behavior? Yeah, uh, good questions. Um, so um, I'll give you a two-part answer since it's a two-part question. First off, um, one of the biggest things that I focus in on with individuals when they're trying to to really build a, what I call them mutually beneficial relationships, um, is this idea of focusing in on a small group of people. Most of the people that are successful in this industry um, that at, at bringing work in the door at delivering a lot of projects, honestly, they have probably about 10 people who are um, either providing them with leads on a regular basis and, and really, and really um, helping them be successful. And honestly, this is where the introvert's ex uh, advantage exists, is that the introvert n naturally focuses in on a smaller group of people and can really foster and help build and create those great relationships. And it's when we go to our engineers or to uh, you know other professionals and we try to ask them to meet a 200 people and to suddenly you know somehow have watered down relationships with 200 people that we that we're, that we're in essence teaching them to fail. So, you know, one of those biggest pieces is doing the, uh, doing and building a hot list, which is a group of usually 10 to 20 people, um, that you're touching base with every three to four weeks. Um, I'm a big believer in referral sources as opposed to, um, just it being in the clients that are on that. Um, and, uh, we can kind of talk in a minute about how you build relationships. That's kind of a, a fun piece, but, um, 
but that really becomes the basis for how an individual is going to be successful in their career. Um, and it's something that introverts, quite frankly, do better than extroverts. Yeah, it makes sense. And then, it, so is that, a, uh, is that a practice inside of the Timmons group that you're pushing? So we have, um, you know, I would say that the biggest piece that we've adopted in Timmons Group is relationships being our top priority. Um, if you look at um, all different aspects of our business, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's relationships inside the firm, which fascinatingly enough, by the way, right now, relationships inside the firm is one of the most important components of business because it is, it's about making certain that our people are good, that you're creating a culture that allows for success that people want to be at work, work every single day and really be a part of what's going on. Um, yeah. That, that causes me to ask a question because when you go from 235 people to, to over 800, uh, that's a lot of new people in a pretty short period of time. Um, I, I'm dealing with it going from 17 to 40 in the last three years. Uh, and and making sure that one you know in in a COVID world the culture is is being sticky and and that we're we're really implementing our core values and and making sure we're selecting people that align with our core values. But two is like creating those working relationships because not only are you trying to win work outside of the company, you're trying to execute and respond to work inside of the company and, and being able to, to have those relationships and rely on people doesn't just happen because we said so, right? Oh, so right. Talk, talk to us about how you've been able to, to build that, that culture of uh, relationship internally. I'll give you one example just because it popped in my inbox earlier today is um, I think it's two weeks from now we have our foosball tournament now you would think that this would be like foosball table like you know like the five foot foosball table you have at your house now um, our foosball tournament is a life-size blow-up foosball uh, table that fills up uh, a good portion of our parking lot for um, for our annual foosball tournament with of course the players being uh, engineers versus landscape architects versus environmentalists uh, you know it's it's the whole nine yards we got going on our uh, on our blow up foosball. Um, you know, it, it is, I use that as a fun example. And, and um, I, I'm certainly don't think that uh, it hurts that we have beer carts coming around the office on a regular basis. It kind of makes you want to be in the office a little bit more when there's uh, <laughs> uh, actually, I, I was giving someone uh, a gentleman uh, who's here still uh, a, a review. Mm, this is probably about three years ago. And uh, just as we sat down for his review, the beer cart popped outside. I think it was like the best review ever. We were sitting there <laughs> drinking beers, having a, having his employee review. It was, it was just what the, uh, just what, what was needed, if that makes sense. So, yeah. um, you know, th those are little tiny tactile things, but the reality is I think some of the best stuff we've done for our culture, isn't that fun stuff that you're talking about in that it is um, it's things like choosing to, to not add red tape as the firm mm. grew. Um, we could have a manual and a policy for everything at almost a thousand people. Um, and that is something that um, I give full credit to our leadership team and our CEO for pushing back on um, for the idea that we don't need a, a, a red tape policy for everything. Instead, it's really giving people the freedom to do things the right way and uh, to, to not be forced inside a bucket. And that really has given managers the ability to to do what's best for their teams, for individuals inside the firm, to have the flexibility that uh, we can adapt and move to what is in the best interests of our clients, our employees, and our community. Awesome. 
So talk to me about navigating some, some leadership challenges. You know, you've been in the industry, you've probably won some work. We know you've lost some work. You've, you've probably been involved in, in executing or recovering work or, or at least reputation at, at some point in time. Uh, and then the amount of growth and new people coming in. What's, what's a leadership or project challenge uh, that, that highlights a leadership lesson you've learned throughout your career? That's a good one. So, um, let me, uh, I've got three kids, by the way, I might use a couple of them in, in this, but my, uh, my middle son, is <laughs> I, I, I'll jump in. I yeah. literally just posted on, uh, LinkedIn. Today's my daughter's third birthday. Oh, and I, I think that, that, um, uh, the, the leadership lab inside of our houses is, is one of the most challenging, <laughs> uh, experiments we have going on. No, I love so, it. I love it. Yeah. Well, well, my son, uh, his name is Tyler. My middle son, he was uh, probably about 11 years old. And just like every young man on the planet or every man, young man I've ever met, um, I, you know, Saturday morning came along and I uh, asked him to clean his bathroom. And usually cleaning his bathroom is about three hours worth of, yes, it's done. No, it's not. Back and forth, et cetera. And, um, and so this particular Saturday, he goes and he's like, okay. And he goes into his bathroom. And I'm, I kid you not, he walks out 10 minutes later and he's claiming his bathroom is clean. Eh, maybe 15 minutes. It wasn't very long. Uh, if you've seen a young boy's bathroom, it should be a four-hour process with bleach. And, and, and like, you should disinfect everything, you know? Like, it's – anyways, so he's swearing up, up and down one side and the other that this bathroom is clean. So finally, I'm like, okay, I'm going to come up and check it. Like, you're wasting my time making me come up there. But I walk in. This bathroom is spotless. Like, I was shocked that this bathroom was so clean. And I'm like, Tyler, you did fantastic. You know, I'm, I'm encouraging him. I'm like, Tyler, how did you, how in the world did you, did you get it so clean? And he said, Dad, did you know that you can clean anything with a toilet bowl brush? <laughs> you know, I, and this, this is something we have at Timmons Group, probably industry-wide, is that um, you can have the solution to the problem. It doesn't mean it's the best or the right solution to the problem. Does that make sense? Like this is, this is a – this might be – you might be having this as well going from 17 to 40. 40, by the way, is a tough line to get over just so you know, BJ. Like you get to 40, you got a little bit of a, a cap, and then uh, once you break past that cap, that 60 is an easy number. But the, uh, the 40 right. is a tough one to, uh, to crest over. Um, we can talk about that later if you want. The um, – <laughs> But no, you know, it's, it is, I, I gotta tell you along the way, we've had every single solution that you can come up with. And it's really been about learning that just because we thought we did it the right way, or just because something was successful, uh, by one measurement doesn't mean it was holistically successful. Um, and I, I would actually tell that one of our, uh, one of our greatest successes in being a high growth firm, um, which we easily qualify as a high growth firm is that we've actually remained a high profitability firm along the way as mm. well. Because um, sometimes, geez, you know, you look out at stock markets, let's not talk about them today, by the way, but um, you look out <laughs> at stocks or different things like that, and, you're, you know, and they basically, they give up all of their profitability in order to be high growth. Um, so to be able to do it in such a way that you're able to, to accomplish both objectives is, um, is it, it takes every single one of those problems. And when someone cleans something with a toilet bowl brush, going back to him and having the, you know, having the hard conversations, by the way, my son did was handed bleach and uh, some cleaner cleans the rest of the bathroom, you know, it's top to bottom, unbelievably fantastic. Right. I'm tucking him in that night. He has an older brother uh, named Evan. I'm tucking him in that night. And, uh, 
and I said, Tyler, and he said, Dad, I, I, I've got something I got to tell you. And I was like, Yes. <laughs> yeah, at this point, I'm getting worried. If you knew the boy, you'd be worried too. And, uh, and he said, Dad, I didn't clean Evan's sink with bleach. <laughs> he just left it with the toilet bowl brush cleaning. <laughs> I felt like like that. any like a good brother. I know, like a good brother. Yeah, at least he wasn't using the uh, his toothbrush or something like that. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you yeah, never yeah. know. <laughs> um, but no, those are the types of things. I will say, um, let, let's apply marketing to uh, marketing to this industry for just a minute, which is, um, you know, um, every single relationship that you ever have went through four stages. Every relationship you've ever had. Um, so, uh, you know, you, um, the first stage of relationship development is name recognition. Uh, let's say you're in, in college, you're looking for a, a young lady to date or a young guy to date, you see him across the cafeteria. Um, you know, first thing you have to know is that they exist, right? Uh, name recognition. You have to know, know that they're out there and who, who they are. Uh, second thing, you might lean around, figure out what in the world the story is around, the, you know, the individual. Are they seeing somebody? Are they what kind of who they are? And that is development of understanding. It's understanding what that person is and how the world, uh, you know, how they fit into the world around you. And the third thing is interactive communication. Um, I'll fast forward to um, to the past, past interactive communication, the solidifying relationship. We'll just call that marriage. You get a signed contract. Same thing in this industry, right? Is if they don't know your firm exists, they can't work with you. The second thing they have to know after they know you exist is how you fit into the world around them. We're a civil engineering firm. We do survey. We have offices up and down the East Coast. All these things that they need to know about us. The third thing is interactive communication. That's where we actually have the conversations with the person. Now, I could use a business development person that could go out on the street tomorrow, go meet someone for the first time, and find someone, you know, and tell them the Timmons Group exists and, you know, kind of build their, uh, you know, build their awareness of us, kind of get into things. But what we know is that when you combine marketing and business development together, when you go and marketing is building the brand, building name recognition, the second step to it is being candled and that people know who you are. Then when your business development person goes out there, they're already seven steps into or seven times more likely to be able to close that sale. And quite frankly, your business development person is one of your more expensive ways to approach you know, the relationships. We use a lot of seller doers here. So, of course, that's even, you know, even another degree of expensive just because you're losing billable time with that. Um, so I think that building our program has been around a lot of those types of things where we really tried to lay the groundwork and the foundation for growth and then put our people into the growth instead of expecting our engineers or our landscape architects to go and just deliver on new relationships every single day. It takes a lot more than that. A lot of lot of lessons learned there. Uh, and, and the think... toilet brush is the real, real lesson, right? That's, uh... <laughs> um and, and you, you hit on a, a topic near and dear to my heart is seller doers and how to cultivate them uh, and, and teach and uh, encourage selling doing, even though most engineers, architects, professionals in our industry are taught to be doers mm-hmm. uh, and then maybe grow into managers or, or find a way to, to be a relationship person. How do you cultivate that inside of the Timmons Group? Good question. So there's, um, I'm going to break it into two different parts. One is um, is creating opportunity for it. So um, uh, in Richmond and several other markets, we actually have um, different events that we run. One's called Commercial Coffee, where we just go to ongoing construction sites once a month. And we grab a 120 clients or so, take them to it, and um, basically we use um, events as an excuse to make it easy 
for our seller doers to have interaction points. Hmm. Um, we we like controlling things. Um, let's rephrase that. I like controlling things. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> probably better worded. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, but it, providing the opportunity, the environment for them to be able to have those conversations without them being painful. We run um, a brewery tour in uh, a couple of our markets that is just unbelievably successful. Where Quite frankly, most everyone in the market is waiting for uh, the next stop on the brewery tour. Um, you know, these are these are the tools and techniques that drag people into being able to have that opportunity for seller do it. The second thing, and I have to give credit to Brian Bortel, our CEO and our leadership team here, which is um, is making the choice to to identify inside the firm that those that bring work in the door have substantial value. Um, there are some firms out there where um, everything is in the delivery and uh, our delivery is an unbelievably equal component of what we do, but our leadership team also exemplifies and shows and values and shows that value in bringing work in the door. And that comes from our strategic business plan um, and the reasons why we choose to grow. I'm taking notes just so everybody knows that pregnant pause is me, uh, me learning on the fly here. Uh, so we can apply it at MCFA. Inspiring People in Places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE verified, service disabled, veteran owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people in places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. Tim, moving into some kind of rapid fire questions here. Uh, what do you do outside of Timmins Group? What do you care about? Anything that you're, you know, from a nonprofit or kids sports or what, what drives you outside of the office? Yeah, so we are, um, I'm saying we, this is, the, you know, it's one of those in-office, out-of-office pieces, which is we are a huge supporter, both um, physically as well as uh, monetarily, of Feedmore, which is um, one of the largest uh um, food bank partners on the East Coast, um, and that is has been a great opportunity for us to really kind of reinvest in where we have offices. Um, there's a lot of other food banks too, but me personally, this is kind of my backyard, if that makes sense. So yeah, um, that is that's I'd say that's a that's a passion of the firm and something that I have a passion in as well. Um, yeah, you said rapid fire, so I won't give you more story there. No, but, it's, that's yeah. great. I, hey, I, I, if you can get passionate about it, I'm I'm willing to talk through it uh, and hear more about it. Uh, favorite quotes and why, or favorite quote, not plural. Favorite quote. quote. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this one is an interesting one. It's, I'm so glad I was shot out of the sky. Um, and uh, Fred, I'm going to draw a blank on his last name right now. This is an individual who um, I read his story uh, many years ago, and it's really stuck with me. Um, he was a World War II pilot. Um, he got shot down uh, near Japan. Um and in that, he was um, he landed on a tribal island is where he parachuted down to. Um, interesting enough, by the way, uh, the, the, just the process of him making it there without with surviving. Usually, uh, the Japanese pilots would would um, would finish off the pilot after uh, after the airplane, and the pilot that was supposed to take him out had grace on him, and he ended up living on this this island with this uh, with this group of people for 45 days. Uh, he almost passed away when he first got there. He had no food, no water, basically, um, and he had been injured in the flight. They took care of him and really raised him up until 
I think it was, let's call it 90 days later, 60 days later, um, some American troops landed on the island and were just looking for exactly him, you know, survivors from uh, some of these, some of the uh, um, uh, battles that had been going on around the area. They found him, brought him back to the United States. He eventually became a, um, a high school teacher. This is a long story, but this is, I tell you, this All one's right. worth it, okay? Um, he eventually became a high school teacher. And $5 and $10 at a time, he saved enough money to go back to that island and build a school for the children because the hmm. children had never had anything like that. And for the rest of his life, at $5 and $10 increments, he built a school. He built a library. He built um, all of these pieces that created um, – uh, he built a clinic, a hospital, you know, that, that created this environment for the for this group of people that really had never um, had the opportunities that he was affording to them. And I, I I caught this towards the end of his life, this picture that was in USA Today, where they were the the people in this town were literally carrying him on his on their shoulders as he would fly in every couple of years after he had saved enough dollars, five dollars and ten dollars, uh, you know, just thanking him for what he had done. And to me, it's always been this piece of, I want to find my island. If a teacher can do it $5 and $10 at a time, I genuinely believe we can all make an impact in the world that is substantial in, uh, in our lifetimes. And that's a personal goal of mine is to make a substantial impact in my lifetime. And I hope that story is a challenge to some of your other listeners about making a real impact. I'm doing terrible at your having fire fast questions. Oh, no, stories. I'm sorry. I, I say rapid fire, but it's, it's just because they're repet or they're, they're coming at you. But, um, I'm so glad I was shot out of the sky. The, the flip, you know, the other part of that is the gratitude and the attitude mm -hmm. of like, it's not happening, you know, it's not about what happens to us. It's about how we respond to it and yeah. being able to, you know, there, there's um, another story about the get to or got to, I get to go to work or I got to go to work and yeah. the, the ability to change that mindset. Um, what an awesome story to highlight that. Uh, I don't know what my island is, but I like, I like thinking about it now. <laughs> Write that one down. Seriously, that's worth it. I do believe we can all make that, that difference. And it's a matter of figuring out what your island is. Um, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, must read book. Okay. You mentioned it earlier, so I'm going to pick on this one. I, I, I could give you a million different books, but um, this one is called RFP, Request for Personality. Um, John Burke is the uh, author of it, and John actually works out in uh, Colorado. He actually reached out to me a number of years ago just um, uh, um, in the business because he, is, uh, he actually is a client in the business. Um, and he's not my client. He's a, uh, he hires professional services all the time in his role. And, um, he got sick of, uh, all these RFP and responses and working with firms that just basically didn't get it. So his book request for personality was, uh, was his way to, um, to take a couple minutes and teach what it actually means to, um, to have a relationship and, uh, and, and, build the connection with your client. Um, yeah, that's really what the premise of the book is. Highly recommend it. By the way, he'd be fantastic for a uh, future uh, podcast as, as yeah, well. Let's, let's get John it. Burke on. Please yeah. make that connection. I, I want to hit that because I think the world, corporate, institutional, public entities want to try and take the relationship out of the process by doing the RFPs. But at the end of the day, it's really the opportunity for you to show your personality in your proposal and to tell to tell the client why 
you know, that's the first part of building a relationship is uh, going back to what you talked about, name recognition, understanding their story, letting them know your story. And then that's the first, if that's the first interactive communication you have with them, at least you're getting on their radar, leave something behind. If nothing else, be memorable. And then, you know, the next time you get in the door with them, you have something to talk about. That's it. Um, yep. I can't wait to read that book. Uh, dead or alive, if you could hang out with three people for a day, who would they be? What would you do? Sheesh, I, my instant answer is uh, isn't as epic as I want it to be. Um, I'll give you my instant answer because it's not All fun, right. and then I'll try and come up with something epic for you. But my instant answer is uh, uh, I've got three brothers who, uh, who I don't get to spend as much time with because we're all over the U.S. now, and uh, they're generally the best group of guys you could ever meet. And uh, sheesh, any day I could have the three of them hanging out with them, and uh, we, we laugh way too much. We pick on each other way too much, and it's just the way life is supposed to be. Maybe it's a little bit of that Thanksgiving dinner conversation. Yeah. You know? I guess that's, uh, that's my instant to it. But So um, I'm going to comment on that. Yeah. You talked about introverts have smaller groups, more intimate groups. So I, I, I don't want another answer. I think that's okay. a that's a great that's a great answer. I mean, if you if somebody epic comes to mind that you want to hit, but uh, I think that shows a lot of your values and a lot of your personality that you went right to family. Fair enough. I I'll appreciate that. That works. Um, last, second to last question: uh, somebody in the industry that inspires you. Oh, wow. There, there are a, uh, there are a lot of them. Um, the individual, you know, I guess the person I'm thinking of here is a gentleman by the name of Ford Harding. Um, a lot of people will know him from 10 years ago or so. Um, Ford was honestly a basis for a lot of my initial uh, work on trying to track down relationships. He was one of the first individuals I spoke about early on who learned how to build relationships uh, as an introvert, as opposed to, um, as opposed to trying to take on sales techniques or something like that. He does, uh, he does have a book, by the way, it's an older book now. It's called Rainmaking. And I, I uh, think I read his book, Creating Rainmakers. Is yep, that, did, does he have another book? Uh, okay. He does. He has a, he has a handful of them. One's on cross selling, one's on uh, rainmaking, creating rainmakers is another. Uh, he is absolutely fantastic. He is pseudo retired now. Um, his, Company Harding and Company, I believe his partner uh, is still um, is still holding the practice. I'm sure he shows up from time to time, but um, he was absolutely fantastic individual who who absolutely made an impact uh, in my life. That's a great uh, throwback for me. I haven't read that book in probably 10, 12 years, um, and I completely forgot about it until you said his name. <laughs> oh, good. So, if you, um... I'm gonna have to revisit that. <laughs> it's you know I'm, I actually keep copies on my shelf here and uh, he there's nothing lost in the time of when he wrote it to now it's uh, sometimes when you get into you know marketing or something like that sheesh, it, that things fade with time when it comes to relationships certain things just don't fade with time yeah you you kind of hit on this last one uh, with the island but legacy what do you want on your tombstone how do you want to be remembered I'll go with um, Loving father cared for everyone. <laughs> Made my day. That's great. Those are uh, those are definitely my priorities in life. There's there's long stories that go behind both of those different pieces, but um, I, I just believe I believe we have a unique spot in uh, the in the industry that we work in. That we I'm talking the collective we um, BJU as well as uh, all of us, and that. 
Um, we really do get to create a sense of community and do something good every day. Um, I don't believe everyone has the opportunities that we have to do that. So um, I genuinely hope to live my life and be at a company, which I am, that cares about those things and making the world a better place. Doesn't that sound altruistic? But it's, uh, it, it makes a difference. I, I think that we have to be thinking that way, and, and I appreciate you being on the show. I mean, there's no better way to close us out than, than with that kind of a challenge that, like, no matter what part, no matter who you are in the company or, or, or what work you're doing, working in the built environment, we do get to change the world, uh, and, and I think that it's, it's a critical role we play. So, Tim, uh, I appreciate you being on. In the spirit of interactive communication, and, and for everybody to know, Tim and I just met today, but I think we're going to uh, continue to build on this conversation uh, for, for years to come. So, Tim, thanks so much for being on. Absolutely, BJ. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite po podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter if you want to learn more about the MCFA DNA. Follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, you stayed around for the, for the end of the show, and there may just be a challenge that uh, comes, comes from uh, our LinkedIn share of this podcast. So uh, stay tuned. Until next time, have a great week and a great weekend.